edition of BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. I think we've had a pretty monumental year so far, 2018. It would not be fun if it wasn't. And I think a lot of it kind of goes into the politics side of business. And there's a lot for us to sink our teeth into today on this program that we're going to be discussing right now. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the federal level? Do you want to start at the provincial level, municipal level? What do we start? It's been tumultuous all around. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that jumps out to me is maybe kind of the municipal elections that mm. went down over in the fall. I think a lot of it's, let, let's maybe start in Vancouver. It was a big, you know, affordable housing kind of issue that was talked about with regards to all the campaigns here. And we also had like how many people running for mayor? 21. Yeah. A mere 21. A mere 21. <laughs> I, so, I think you interviewed them all, Haley. Oh, pretty close. We got pretty more than half. More yeah. than half the mayors it did not get to the seventy-plus councillors no. that were running. No, we could take we a left. long time with that one. <laughs> we you, left you those would out. still be doing those. That's at right. This point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even the people that were not elected. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I, I was fascinated by who would eventually, you know, come out ahead because it was anybody's guess for a long, long time until we kind of got some front runners emerging here. You could see that on the left of center and on the right of center, there were a lot of decisions made early in the year about who was going to run, what was going to happen, how the dynamic was going to go in the race. And as you got closer to it, what it became apparent is that Kennedy Stewart and Shauna Sylvester on the left of center were somewhat housing what is a fairly big progressive vote. And off to the right of center was Ken Sim. And Ken Sim, in order to secure victory, and he almost almost did, he only lost by about 900 or so votes, he needed to make sure that the conservative voters had nowhere else to vote. And they did. They had it with Wei Young, and to some degree, they had it with Hector Bremner. And so as a progressive city, it then became something where uh, Kennedy Stewart could easily manifest a bit of a mandate for that. And and I think that's what we're starting to see spelled out. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, though, Haley, I mean, you had the opportunity, as you said, like interview more than half. Did anyone seem to offer some sort of panacea for the housing affordability issue that has been hit in the city? No panacea. Every Almost everyone's response was to build more. There were some candidates who said, stop building and let's reassess. But among the front runners, I would say building more, addressing red tape issues and delays at City Hall was another one, and talking about the high cost of housing. But when it came to real solutions, there was a lot of, well, let's wait and see a little bit until... I take office if I get office. Yeah. It, if you recall, the last thing that the last council did was to offer a rezoning, like a holus bolus rezoning of all of the single detached home districts in the community to now permit duplexes to be built. It, it was it was really a, like a sweeping gesture. And it was the last thing that the Gregor Robertson government did. And, and then what happened? Yeah. And then the election came and, and then there's a reconsideration. Yeah. Great reconsideration of all of this. And whether we see this proceeding uh, in a in more than a piecemeal way will be interesting to watch here in, the, in 2019, because I think there are a lot of decisions still to be made. The other municipality I, I want to highlight here, though, is Surrey. Surrey. I mean, and again, we see kind of a splitting of the vote going on that lets you know, Doug McCollum come back and return to the mayor's chair. And I think this hinged maybe more on transportation issues than housing affordability issues to a certain degree. And uh, crime, I would say, yeah. as well. Yeah. It, the economics, Haley, of Doug McCollum's uh, prospect and and his his vision for the community, I'm I'm still left scratching my head about this one. He believes that he can replace an LRT plan with a SkyTrain, and that he can replace the RCMP with a local police force, mm-hmm. all for I don't know a few extra bucks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And giving money back to the taxpayers and cutting costs. I interestingly spoke to McCallum in 2014. Yeah, what do we make? What do we make of Doug McCallum? He loved LRT in the last municipal election. That was the way forward for Surrey. And we've seen a complete 180 on that front now. And it has to be SkyTrain. His vision for Surrey is very different than the vision of Surrey first. And clearly, maybe that wasn't resonating with people who lived in Surrey fully. But I'm not sure this seems like a major, major correction, and it will have regional implications. He says that 80% of the public really believes in this idea. And yet, I think he got 41% of the vote Yeah, it's of about a 30% turnout, a 35% turnout. Anyway. Difficult kind of to determine where he's getting a lot of his information from. And I've reached out to him. I know other media's reached out to him. He's really not interested in speaking to the media about what his plans are. Nor does he seem particularly interested in talking to his fellow mayors. Mm-hmm. He's been really trying to leverage uh, this weighted ballot at Metro Vancouver in order to largely get his way through some of the more regional issues that are there. It's it's an interesting test of our regional system even. I just wonder how long this strategy can persist for. And I do suspect there might be some disappointed voters in Surrey in maybe the coming months, maybe the coming years. We well, do know he has some support in Vancouver, though, when it comes to his transportation agenda. Yeah, because ultimately there is still, I think, a fairly big momentum going on toward building some kind of a line out to UBC. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to do that? Well, you can't really do that with a Canada line. It's got to be a SkyTrain. So what's going to happen there? Um, We're going to be waiting and watching. I just (laughs) suspect that there's going to be a a bit of a wake-up call for some people across the region when it comes to the future of transportation in this region. And I wonder if some people realize that maybe SkyTrain isn't necessarily the path forward. I I know it's something that we're familiar with. I think that's why a lot of us kind of lean towards it. Whereas if you look at LRT, we don't have it anywhere in this region. So I think the lack of familiarity maybe was enough to push some people away. I think, too, when we look at the rate technologies changing, if we look 10, 20 years out at our transportation needs, any of the decisions that were made maybe 10 years ago may no longer be relevant. Mm -hmm. And any decision we make today, even by the time it gets funded and built, may also not really be relevant for our region. We've been talking about the extension of the Millennium Line over to Arbutus, I think, for more than almost a decade now in this community. And it's going to be built no sooner than about 2023, 2024. You know, that's a long time to even consider the notion of another subway going as far out as UBC. You have to think that that's 2030, 2032, perhaps, before we get that opened. And to your point, Haley, I mean, what other modes of transportation might exist? I mean, there's already some talk in the community about creating autonomous bus lanes Mm -hmm. uh, along places like 41st. And how many more of those innovative ways will take the space of what would be a gigantic infrastructural project to get a subway right across town. Oh, Kirk, uh, 2030, 2032, maybe we'll have Uber here in uh, the province by then. <laughs> uh, you think? Because it, I don't know. But that's a very good segue to talk about the province. And uh, I mean, I, I wrote this week about some of the dithering that's taken place. And ride hailing, I think, has to be right at the top of the list. I mean, there's, there's, there seems to be absolutely no particular reason why we are waiting and waiting and waiting. And I have to think, Haley, that this has something to do with the NDP perhaps wanting to get another mandate. I think that would be a safe bet because we know the previous government in saying that they'll bring ride-hailing services to British Columbia lost some key ridings and 
did not have their transportation minister couple of big Surrey seats <laughs> among them. Exactly. So I think it's fair to say that maybe delaying on some of these more controversial issues, ride hailing being one of them, might be what we're seeing from the NDP. But can the liberals even make this a wedge issue at this point? Because the liberals dithered on it just as badly. Well, and and the liberals arguably paid a price yep. in the last election. You know, to Haley's point, Peter Fassbender, Emery Burke both lost their seats in Surrey. There are three Surrey seats, I think, that most believe have a, a kind of a connection into the taxi industry that require a sitting government to be very respectful about the degree to which it wants to disrupt that industry. And you can see that our ride hailing is going to be very different than anybody else's ride hailing. It's going to be quite the level playing field. There's going to be no particular advantage to getting Uber or Lyft over getting a cab. I'll say the advantage will come from, say, our international reputation and that visitors will be (laughs) coming here and they'll be like, oh, I guess I can use my Uber app or my Lyft app here. I don't have to download some dedicated taxi I think app. I've, I think I've joked about five times about how many people come to our studio. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, af- and after, they're, here, yeah. after they're done their interview, they start going, hey, what's wrong with your internet in this building? We can't, <laughs> I, I can't get my Uber to work. Well, yeah, you can't for sure. But even think about it. I mean, there's a comedian who he was in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I'm not coming back to Vancouver until you guys get Uber. I mean, it's just inconvenient for me to go across town like this, yeah. uh, you know, waiting around for a taxi. Yeah, because it's not as if we've seen this plethora of new cabs on the road. It's expensive no. to launch a taxi business. Uh, to get the plate and to and to launch into it. So, yeah, I mean, the thing about Uber and Lyft is that they both launch with relatively little fanfare or uh, quite a lot of ease in terms of getting into it right away. And and I think w- the one thing British Columbians appear to support the government with, though, is making sure that there are safety provisions. Uh, whether that means that you have to have a stricter license or not, I don't know. But I think people want to make sure that at least the drivers have good background checks and that you're not really taking much risk when you get in the backseat. Yeah, and for those who are wondering, um, the only promise that we have so far is that we'll get insurance products prepared by about you know September, October of 2019. After that, it's going to be up to the passenger transportation branch to figure out who's actually going to be allowed into this jurisdiction. Which means not 2019, but exactly. most likely 2020. Yeah. yeah. So uh, good luck next Christmas party, guys. Although I'll just sneak in there. Andrew Weaver did say we're going to have ride hailing services on the roads. You can take that with a grain of salt. He is with the BC Greens. But I've also heard Premier John Horgan say ride hailing will be in the province in 2019. We'll but, see if they live up to that. Uh, the only thing we can count on, though, is that it is a cabinet appointed uh, group that is you know running the trans- uh, passenger transportation branch. So maybe that's going to be kind of the way in? I, yeah. I don't know. It's When tough. the government is saying to ICBC that it needs to only roll out this new form of insurance next fall, at which time the Passenger Transportation Board is going to be accepting applications, that sounds to me like lightning speed in order to get uh, new vehicles on the road for ride hailing. There are a lot of other issues, of course, that uh, that are plaguing the province right now. And the one thing that uh, that we can expect in January uh, is really a, a whole new range of taxes right. that are going to hit. Uh, they're going to hit employers uh, with a payroll tax. There are going to be additional uh, additional personal taxes on housing. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think uh, the NDP is, is doing this designed to try to avert uh, middle class and, and lower income British Columbians from bearing much of the weight. But they're 
their attacks are pretty strong on those that have higher incomes. And I wonder, you know, what do you think, Haley? Do you think that it is now beginning to uh, resemble other NDP governments that seem to have class warfare is probably a bit of a strong term, but certainly a class conscious approach to the way in which they want to reshape the economy? I think that would be a fair comment. We've certainly heard certain segments of our population, especially among the business community, that they really feel targeted. And the NDP has a progressive agenda. They have a lot of social spending. They need to pay for that somehow. I think it's still unclear how they're going to pay for all of it. Social housing. Exactly. But I think it's clear that they are going to be looking to business and higher income earners to pay for a lot of that. We're also seeing it at the city level too. City of Vancouver is raising property taxes, utility fees, other fees because of the tax burden they're going to face in part as a result of the payroll tax. So we're going to see it in many different areas. I think something like 1.7% of the property tax increase is attributable to the employment payroll tax that the province is imposing and that the city now has to pay. So yeah. it's, it's, it's like there's a cascade effect of what the province has done in all of this case. And this is all against the backdrop of us having the lowest unemployment rate in the entire country yeah. and trying to attract some of the high-level talent that we need here to boost the economy. And I wonder how attractive British Columbia is going to be moving forward. If we're like we're trying to get executives with much more experience from, say, the West Coast of the U.S., we're trying to attract people from San Francisco, from Seattle. How easy is that going to be moving forward in the new year? I, I don't know. It's going to be very, very challenging because our unemployment rate is lower than the number of job vacancies we have in British Columbia. There's quite a spread there. And I spoke to an economist at the Business Council of BC. Hiring challenges will intensify. In the province, we're also seeing businesses move out because the taxes they have to pay in Vancouver are just too high. Yeah, the affordability issue here is a distressing situation for people who view Vancouver as maybe a great place to to relocate. and one of those other areas that is going to have a lot to do with our eventual prosperity will be the federal decision that's going to come again, likely early in the year around uh, the Kinder Morgan. Well, it's not the Kinder Morgan pipeline anymore. It's your and my right? pipeline. Yeah. It's the <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Haley and Kurt <laughs> pipeline. Uh, we have a piece of it. Um, and and it's, you know, the NEB is going to have to uh, make the ultimate ruling, my guess, that will probably end up in the Supreme Court all over again. That being said, this is critical, not, not just critical to the reelection of Justin Trudeau, because I think, you know, most likely that adjustment's already been made. But for Rachel Notley, this is <laughs> this is a must have and, and a must have quite soon before she faces the electorate in May. Yeah, I'm going to be fascinated what our neighbor, you know, to the east is going to be moving forward. And I'm also fascinated how, you know, PR may take form here in British Columbia going into 2019. But I think that's a topic that we'll have a lot of time to delve into the next year. For now, I think I want to encourage everyone to go to iTunes and Stitcher. You can find our archives there. You can also go to BIV.com to find all of our news stories. For now, I want to say goodbye from Business in Vancouver. 